I do have Dershowitz on the phone right now. And I did have the really honor of doing a full hour of television yesterday with Alan. And I'm just a dopey radio guy. But Alan agreed with me for the most part with some of the points that I was making. Here he is, the great constitutional lawyer, moments after Joe Tacopino was just on. Here's my friend Alan Dershowitz. Mr. Brooklyn, how are you? Good. I would give you an A-plus for being a really great lawyer without having gone to law school. You got it. Everything right. Wow. Well, coming from you, that's really intense. And uh, last time he said something like that, I actually started to cry in front of Lou. I'm being honest. That's how much I love, honor, and respect you. But look, uh, again, not being a lawyer, all I know is this. Following it closely with you and Idala and Takapina, she contended he raped me. And he didn't. So the fact that the number two charge on the jury instructions reads sexual abuse and there's some minimal fine they attach to it, I know there's no real winners and losers. Both sides, like you said, claim victory. But with no rape, that's a Trump win in my book. No, I agree with you. Uh, She testified under oath. She swore, subject to perjury, that she was raped. Not that she was merely molested. Not that she was touched. But I'm not going to describe in great detail what she said. But what she said constituted an absolute rape. And the jury didn't believe her. And if the jury didn't believe her about that, obviously the rest of the verdict was a compromised verdict. Well, you know, he didn't show up for trial. He didn't respect us. He's not a nice guy. Yeah, maybe he touched her. Maybe he did this. Maybe he did that. But how do you get a verdict of malicious defamation when basically he said, I didn't rape her, and that's the defamation, and the jury finds he didn't rape her? So, look, if his name weren't Donald Trump, this would be reversed on appeal. But with a name like Donald Trump, this will be uphill. There are so many issues on appeal. Statute of limitations. Who's ever heard of a case being tried 27 years later by an adult? Number one. Number two, anonymous jurors. How do you find out whether a juror was biased? You could have had a juror on that jury who has written letters saying, oh, my God, Trump's the worst person in the world. I'm sure he's a rapist, even even if there's no evidence. We don't know any of that because we don't know the names of the jurors. There was no reason for that. There was no reason for allowing the Access Hollywood tape. And the Access Hollywood tape is exactly the opposite of what he was charged with. In the Access Hollywood tape, he says, women are willing to let me touch them. That's not what he was charged with. He was charged with Women not willing to let me touch him. So that is such a prejudicial, uh, without relevance, piece of evidence. So, uh, you know, I hope he has a good appellate lawyer. I think an appeal would succeed in the normal situation. And the interesting thing is, under the normal schedule, an appeal would be decided either just before the election or just after the election. So, Mm. you know, this case isn't over yet. Interesting. Well, I did ask Takapina about an appellate lawyer because of what you said yesterday. I followed your lead, Alan. He is going to do it. He's got a guy who works in his firm. His name is Chad Siegel. He works with Takapina every day, and he's going to use him, I think, on the appeal. So it stays with uh, Takapina, to your point. But you're right. You know, you said yesterday it was kind of a Rorschach verdict. Trump supporters like me, Sid Rosenberg, were going to claim victory, and I did right away, right away. And MSNBC, for example, this morning, they can't get enough of this because now they can label him a, quote, sexual abuser. And, of course, he lost the defamation part of the suit, too. So you're right. You said it yesterday, Alan. Both sides are claiming victory. And I guess maybe they can, right? Yeah. 
Now, uh, Joe DeCapino is a great lawyer, but I always think it's a mistake uh, not to have an outside person uh, as an appellate lawyer, at least as an appellate consultant and advisor. I'm not volunteering. I've done enough on this case. But <laughs> I do think he has to get somebody who's outside the firm because one of the issues on appeal might have to challenge what happened at the trial and what the defense attorney did. So I, I never like when the same law firm that tried the case then appeals the case. Well, let's we'll keep that. it right here. You, you said you're not necessarily volunteering, but if I text Hakapina after you hang up and say, hey, give Dershowitz a call, would you consider doing no, I, it? No, I, I won't do the case. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I have for years advised any lawyer. If any lawyer has a question, I'm willing to give them my 60 years of experience on the case. But there were some fantastic appellate lawyers. Let me give you an example. You know Arthur Idella's firm. Uh, the two judges, Judge Caymans and Judge Leventhal, they both sat on the appellate court for years. They are phenomenal appellate lawyers. Uh, uh, Takapina ought to consult with them and not allow an inside um, law firm uh, appeal without any input from the outside. I think he's smart enough to know that. I think he'll do it. And those two people are, are, are phenomenal appellate lawyers. So he ought to get somebody like that who's outside the firm, at least to oversee what's going on, to make sure that they raise every issue, even issues that might not look so good to the trial lawyer uh, himself. Uh, the, the goal is not to look good. The goal is to win the appeal. Right. Now, one thing that you've been adamant about, you've been on with me so often lately, I love it. I'm really honored. Uh, going back to the Bragg case was – you can have these venues in New York City because time and time again, the judges, the juries, they're anti-Trump. We know that was well, the case. Combine that. Right. Well, combine, no, combine that with the fact that the defense attorneys didn't learn the name, still don't know the names of the jurors. Right. How do you investigate the possible bias of jurors if you don't know their name? When I get a trial, the first thing I do is I find out the names of the jurors and I go to all of their social media, public things. I go to Facebook, I go to Twitter, and I see who they are, what they're about, because they're not going to tell you the truth during the voir dire. Jurors, when they're asked questions, either lie to get on the jury or lie to stay off the jury. Some of them obviously tell the truth, but we know we've had case after case after case where after the trial, we've discovered that jurors withheld information that would have gotten them disqualified. How do you do that when you don't even know the names of the jurors? And then this 27-year-old case, I don't believe that the Seventh Amendment to the Constitution and the Due Process Clause allows the state legislature to expand the statute of limitations after it's already expired. You know, when it's already expired, you heave a sigh of relief. You say it's over. I'm free. And then the state legislature comes and says, no, whoops, we're going to expand it, make it forever and ever and ever. And you can try somebody no matter how long ago it was. And, and it's reflected in this verdict because it's 20-whatever years ago, and, and the jury says, you know, did he rape her? Did he touch her? No. Uh, we don't know. Uh, mm. We weren't in the room. Uh, she says one thing. He says another thing. He he testified on deposition. Look, I also think he made a mistake not being in the court. Well, I brought that up with Takapina. I said there's yeah. a lot of people yeah. who think – and he listened. He had a very good argument. He said, look, yeah. the judge hated him. The uh, the jury was going to hate him. Uh, yeah. They were going to make my life even more miserable. Every time Takapina made a point, uh, the judge sustained the other side. 
Um, yeah. So so he said if Trump shows up, it's going to make a miserable situation for us even worse. No, that's possible. And I never want to second guess a lawyer because he knows more about the case. But I do think when a jury hears directly from the alleged victim and, and she looks them in the eye and she cries and she gets sympathy – and then the defendant doesn't even show up in the courtroom, it might show a bit of disrespect. I think reasonable people could disagree about that. I think I would have called it differently. But, you know, reasonable lawyers could do it the other way, and he's a good lawyer. What do you think about uh, the Bragg case? He's involved in that one, too, the one before this. Now moving that to the federal court. I hope it gets moved to the federal court, and I hope it gets moved to Staten Island or to Rockland County or to one of the upstate counties. I think this case proves beyond any doubt you can't get a fair trial if your name is Donald Trump. In Manhattan, where, what, 87 percent of voters voted against uh, uh, Donald Trump, you you just can't get a fair trial. Uh, You have to move it to a place where there's a little bit of uh, equality in terms of the voting pool. Um, There are so many problems with the Bragg case. I've said this before. I've done this 60 years, 60 years, teaching, practicing, lecturing. I have never seen a weaker indictment in 60 years than the Bragg case. There isn't even a misdemeanor. (laughs) The theory of the misdemeanor is when you pay hush money, you have to then publicly disclose it. Who would ever pay a nickel of hush money if the law is you have to disclose it? I mean, ever since Alexander Hamilton paid hush money back in, what, 17-whatever, 18 early 1800s, uh, hush money has been routinely paid by prominent people, and they pay it to keep it quiet. And then Brad says, no, but you have to put it on your corporate form. Otherwise, we'll turn it into a felony. It's the most absurd theory I have ever heard in 60 years of practice. You know, my favorite part of the television we did together yesterday, Alan, other than listening to you talk about this case, which was an honor, was it's unbelievable the timing in your life, Mr. Dershowitz, but you actually held up your book and you said, look, this case proves once again they're out to get Trump. I mean, that's the name, if you folks don't know, of Alan's new book, Get Trump. And every time you're on, two or three times a week, we're talking about some other judge or jury or politician or somebody looking to get Trump. An amazing title, Alan. Right. I appreciate, I wish I could take credit for the title. It's not my title. It's the title that comes from the attorney general and the district attorney of New York's campaign pledges. They both campaigned to get Trump. I just borrowed the title from them. <laughs> it's part of the reality. You get two people who are running and saying, if you elect me, I'm going to bring Trump down. And therefore, if they don't bring Trump down, they won't get reelected. They fail to keep their campaign promise. And then you get jurors who voted for uh, James and Bragg, and they want to help the person they voted for satisfy their campaign promises. I mean, the whole thing is just so unjust. If it were your brother or your uncle rather than Donald Trump, you would be outraged at how the weaponization of the criminal justice system against one individual. Look, it's an individual I voted against. It's an individual I've had problems with some of the policies that he's had. I know you're for him. I'm against him. That should be decided at the polls. We'll see who wins in, 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 you know, next November. But administrators, district attorneys, elected Democratic officials shouldn't decide who can run for president. Uh, We have the right to vote whichever way we want. That's American democracy. I can't thank you enough, Alan. You come on. You're really, really great. The insight you provide is so valuable, and you're just so nice to me, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alan Dershowitz. I love you, pal. 
Thank you. You too. Bye. Take care. Alan Dershowitz.